Hello, my name is Dr. Bertrand Liang, and welcome to Patient Stories, episodes about some remarkable people whom I've met through the opportunity of being a physician. It's often stated, the second patient in any disease is the caregiver. Mrs. B was an amazing spouse in every way imaginable. Mr. B was a major executive in one of our town's key industries and exuded confidence and gravitas when I first met him in clinic with his wife. He was inquisitive and questioning about his therapeutic options and asked pointed questions, including other centers where he might be treated that I would recommend. He did note he'd prefer to stay in town, of course, since it would be best to be at home and not interrupt work. I asked what his surgeon had told him about his disease and what his expectations were. The patient said, he said that I had a bad cancer and that I'd need a lot of treatment. I asked if the surgeon had talked to him about prognosis. Not really. He said it's a bad cancer, but I know it must be very bad if I need treatment as severe as radiation treatments and chemotherapy treatments. After pausing, I noted that neither the radiation oncologist nor I would be able to cure his disease. We might be able to stem the tide, but in all likelihood, it would come back. And then we would be faced with less certain therapies. Without any hesitation, he said, well, then we'd better get started. It was an amazing response said with pragmatic confidence. That's when Mrs. B noted, if anybody can beat this, he can. I've seen him do some amazing things, to which Mr. B just nodded. Regretfully, Mr. B did not do particularly well with radiation therapy. Radiation has different effects on people. Some tolerate it with just mild fatigue. Others exhibit tremendous fatigue and at times depression, and still others get significant fatigue and irritability. Mr. B had the last. His mood swings were severe, and he was one day angry at everyone, and other days depressed and silent. During each day, during the visit to the radiation suite, his wife would be by his side, supportive of his moods, warning the technicians of what to expect, and trying to assuage the situation in any way she could. She confided in my nurse, sometimes he just wants to give up, and then sometimes he blames the entire world, but it's really mostly to me, he's used to tempering things with the outside world. If this was tempering, noted my nurse, she's really taking the beating at home. When Mr. B started on chemotherapy, his mood seemed to stabilize. With each course, his stern countenance and gravitas returned. But it was clear that his wife was wearing down. She began to look haggard, and clinically, her fatigue was palpable. She spoke to my nurse often, always without either Mr. B or myself present. Everything he thinks or he feels Whenever it's different, he worries about it. He'll wake me up three to four times a night to ask if he looks different or because he's thought about something that's happening. I haven't had a good night's sleep in weeks. Indeed, she appeared that way. After Mr. B's second round of chemotherapy, his cancer came back, heralded by a seizure with weakness of his right arm. We changed his treatment regimen and sent the patient to physical therapy to try to maximize his right arm function as best we could. Understandably, Mr. B was extremely frustrated, and he stopped going to the office. His wife related that he was too embarrassed to be seen as weak. She would go back and forth as messenger and communicator during her lunch break and after her job, noting that, I have to keep him sane. I asked my nurse if we needed to have social work involved in the situation. She would reply that, of course, that would help. So, of course, both of them would refuse. Sighing, I left it at that. Mr. B's tumor recurred again after the next round of chemotherapy, and I, was, I walked into the room to discuss the results of the MRI. 
I noted that Mrs. B was in very bad shape. She was disheveled, with dark circles under her eyes. Her hair was barely combed, and she was wearing very casual clothes, the first time I had ever seen her in jeans. Mr. B now appeared a shadow of his former self, no longer the confident executive I had seen 11 months earlier. His right arm weakness now also involved his right leg, and he needed a cane to walk. What's next, doctor? asked Mr. B, after explaining to him the results of the last scan. I could see his wife was fighting back tears, but I wasn't sure whether this was from the discussion or the obvious strain and fatigue she was enduring. I told him that there were several clinical trials that were available, both locally and on a national basis, and these would be the ones I would recommend. Let's do the local one, said Mr. B. It's just too hard to travel anymore. And he glanced at his wife with a look of affection that I haven't ever forgotten. I thought I saw a teardrop from Mrs. B, but then she turned away. Mr. B didn't make it to the next clinical appointment to set up the clinical trial therapy. He died later that week at home with his wife by his side. She had weathered the storm with him, being the constant companion on a difficult ride, but which now had concluded. The last I had heard from my nurse was that she had had some guilt at the end. She was happy that the journey from hell called cancer was over, but was overwhelmingly sad that a pillar of existence, her husband, was now gone. It is, unfortunately, not an uncommon scenario. Thank you for joining me for Patient Stories. Be happy, be healthy, and find peace.